What did Luke Fickle say at his press conference talking about the Washington State loss and why we should be or why I'm pretty, pretty excited about it? Plus some narratives that we're buying or selling. Would Jim Leonard have had this defense playing at a higher level? Is the running game uh, the offensive line's fault? Or should we have been, did we get misled a little bit by the expectations? We're going to talk about all that on today's Locked On Badgers. Let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Badger fans? Welcome to Locked On Badgers, your team every single day. I uh, really appreciate everybody tuning in, just doing a bit of a quick live show, but a lot of stuff that I wanted to get to. I want to bring Ryan Eilers into the show. Did I do it wrong again, Ryan? Did I get your name right no, that no. time? You got it right. Like I told you, you can call me anything but late for dinner. I love it. Ryan is is not only a hell of a guy, but uh, right over at Badger Notes, he's on the Discord, one of the, the better Badger fans I've gotten to know building this community. So I'm super stoked to get him on the show. Um, and definitely somebody to go follow over at Badger Notes, get his dog of the week. Uh, he's, he's, he's a really insightful follow. So go do that. His Twitter is down there. Ryan, I wanted to throw some, some takes at you from Luke Fickle's press conference, kind of chop it up because this is really the first real test of his tenure here, losing right. to Washington state on the road as a favorite. Um, the first one that I, I really liked was he was talking about Kamoi Latu. Somebody asked him, you know, Kamoi Latu didn't play a ton, you know, what's going on with that. And he said, by the way, these are paraphrase quotes. I'm not a transcriber, so I, if I'm off on a word or two, the context is 100%, I promise you. He said, we still have to kind of figure out what kind of personnel, where our personnel is going to be, offense and defense. All of our guys have to understand that it is still an evaluation period. I, I love that. Like it, The roster, he's, he's kind of admitting we're still figuring it out a little bit, but he's also, in my opinion, saying there's going to be accountability here. Oh, yeah, 100%. At some level – Every every game, every practice, every minute of the day is an evaluation period. You can't just go in and prescribe like, oh, these are guys are going to be the starters, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, so just having having some self awareness to to say that out loud to the media, because I'm sure the I'm sure the locker room is aware of those things, um, but to make that known to the media that like we're letting them know it's an evaluation period, I feel like that is a coach speak for uh, he has not been playing up to par. And we're letting him know, and now we're putting him on public notice that you need to start doing a lot better, uh, both with scheme, with energy, with not going 100 miles an hour and missing easy things, trying to make the impact plays. Yeah, and I think it's it's also we've we've talked a lot about we've done we've done on the Discord about transition years, right? We're going to get into that later. Is this a transition year? To some degree, I don't like that because I think it, it you. This year is really important. You can't just write off this year and say there's a new coach. But I think they're also acknowledging that this is a bit of a transition year. And what you're seeing right now may not be what you're seeing in two or three weeks. Yeah, I think that's kind of the tough thing because we, we talk about transition years. But at the end of the day, this is college football. Like this is a year to year business. This is a week to week. What have you done for me lately? Um, college football is not built like uh, fantasy dynasty mode where, you know, you just you know, stockpile the good players here and then just, oh, we got them next year on their contract and we you know we'll go to the draft and we're terrible and get better players. Like there is no such thing as transition years. And that's an essentially or exponentially heightened when you have like like we've discussed on the Discord, Sonny Dykes going to TCU, flipping a quarter of the roster, not as much as people think. He flipped a quarter of the roster and went to the national title game. Mm -hmm. I don't even have to mention 
the lunacy that's happening in Boulder with, you know, Dion. Now, admittedly, it's two games. It's Nebraska, which terrible. I mean, all you got to say is Jeff Sims. I mean, Connor McGregor throws a better football than Jeff Sims. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, there there is no such thing as like, you know, keepers leagues or any of that. So the idea of a transition year just doesn't really sit well, especially because those those student athletes, I mean, we always say student first, but if you if you look at it, they're still student athletes. They have a shelf life. They have four, maybe five years, six if they have a COVID year. But as we transition through Uncle COVID, we're not going to have those extra years. So it's like there's not a lot of transition time. No, I think that's a really good point. And, and especially even more so now with NIL and the transfer portal, right? Like it's you, you don't get $8 million to come in and say this is going to take a year. That's just not how it works. Um, so I, I agree with you there. Um, I, I, I don't expect this. And by the way, Luke Fickle has also come out and said, and to his credit, he said, this is not a transition year. We have the talent we need to win right now. So he's owned that, which I think he needs to. Um, so I agree with you on that take there. Uh, I do need to put this comment up. You know I love you, Ryan. You're my guy. This is from Robert Sorts, and he says, I have to call you out on on the Cam Ward. Um, we, we, you and I went back and forth a little bit about Cam Ward. I'm a little higher on him than you are. Did he play better than you thought he would, or, or are we still kind of at odds on Cam Ward? Well, first of all, Robert, I appreciate you calling me out. Uh, but if you're going to call me out, let's spell correctly. You know better. Um, I've softened my stance on it. I, I did say on the on the uh, the show the other night that I was standing ten toes on my on my Cam Ward takes. But it, it's it's one of those things like in life, everything's kind of a compromise. I was at one end; you seem to be at another end. I'm starting to come towards the middle. Did he play a good game? Yes. Did he do the things necessary to win that high level quarterbacks do? Yes. Did he take advantage of a second game, Mike Trussell? transitioning from a Jim Leonard three, three, four zone coverage to a three, three, five cover one man coverage. Did he take advantage of those gaffes like on the plays? Yeah. I mean, a couple of those touchdowns wide open, like that uh, Lincoln Victor, I believe ran across the formation. Alex Smith decided he was going to run to the other side of the field. It's like these guys play Madden. They watched the Super Bowl. My man, that is exactly what got Philly so mad at Jonathan Gannon is that same play. That's the chief's play. They did it for two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Like you got to stay on your side. So it's like, I mean that they had broken coverages for another touchdown. I, I have softened my stance. He, he definitely is a lot better than I thought. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I, I guess I have to, I have to give him credit. Okay. It's, it's hard for me to do because I've seen all of the breakdowns defensively. Yeah, sure. I watched the game and watched it back. But, yes, he's a, he's a lot better than I thought he was. Uh, I thought last year was kind of a fluke because he didn't have very good stats. But the good quarterbacks will take advantage of you when you make mistakes, and he did do that, so he was a good quarterback. Yeah, and, and you know, there were there were plays that were there that he didn't make that a better quarterback would have cashed it on as well. Like, I, he missed a couple wide-open throws. I think the biggest thing with him, man, is he didn't make the back-breaking mistake. Right, he didn't force the ball into double coverage. Um, that they just uh, he protected the ball for the most part. All right, let's keep going here with some of. Um, by the way, that I wasn't planning on bringing that up, but Robert Sorensen teed it up for me. Um, I want to throw this one out to you. This is something from Fickle as well. He said, "Don't panic. We have standards. We stick with them. Everything is still there in front of you." Where are you at in terms of buying this? Because coaches will always say this. Paul Chris said this last year. Like, everything's still in front of you. Um, is this coach speak or is this true for the Badgers? 
I don't know. I really like that. Um, I like it for two different reasons that he said it. One, it's coach speak. Um, so he's trying to keep the fans engaged. But that also kind of shows a lot of self-awareness that a lot of coaches don't have. That means they have a pulse, whether it's internal, external. They have a pulse on what people are saying. So all this, oh, you know, we only focus on the people inside the program. We don't listen. That comment is, we heard you guys loud and clear. What we're doing is not good enough. Because you wouldn't come tell us, like, oh, everything's still in front of us. Why, why are you telling us that? Like, you're telling us for a reason. You're trying to settle us down because you heard the outside noise. So I like it. It shows a lot of self-awareness. And I buy it because they do have everything in front of them. I mean, Washington State was an out-of-conference game. So at the end of the day, it's not going to hurt you um, in the Big Ten West Junior College Division. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying this as well. Uh, I, I never – at the end of the day, whether I was right or wrong on Washington State, it's kind of irrelevant. I thought they'd lose it. But even if they won it, it, it doesn't really impact the bigger picture. This is not a playoff team. So, I mean, we, I mean, we – Nobody really, really thought that. I thought they would lose two games, um, one of them to Ohio State. I, so to me, everything that I hoped was still there is still there as well. It's winning the Big Ten West, and it's being competitive. And it's hopefully being competitive against Ohio State, who I still think they're going to lose to. But can we make that a real game? That would be amazing to me. Um, I got one more here from you from Fickle. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to get into some bigger picture narratives that I'm going to ping Ryan on. Um, this one was with Braylon Allen, but he also was talking about Bryson Green a little bit with this one. And he said at some points in the game, and this wasn't specifically, again, I'm, I'm taking a, like a little bit of a liberty here. He wasn't specifically about Bryson Green, but he did say in the press conference at some points in the game, they give you one-on-one matchups. Speaking about the defense, eventually we need to win some of those. Uh, I do think we've struggled winning some of the one-on-one matchups, be it Bryson Green deep, being Braylon Allen, breaking the big tackle. I feel like maybe they expected more of that. Maybe they expected these playmakers to win a few more of those up to this point. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I think, well, you could say it's a lot about Braylon. Like, there's a lot of times he's getting tackled by the first guy, which I thought was physically and utterly impossible. Um, If you look at that, like, I've watched it too many times now because I'm an absolute lunatic. But, you know, watching back that Matthew Loves Ball stuff on YouTube, Mm -hmm. uh, he, like, summarizes it down to, like, 20 minutes. And, you know, I've watched it way too many times. Uh, that, That route he ran... It's like we want to we want to kill Morty or Tanner Mordecai for overthrowing that. But it's like if you watch it as lunatic many times as I do, you could see like he mistimed his jump. Yeah. Like I think that's a very underrated part of this is as he's streaking down the field, you know, I'm not going to get into like physics of which foot you should jump off of. But it looked like he was already kind of coming down when it glanced off his fingers. And it's like if you time that jump, that might be right on the money. And that's why we that's why you go out and get a six foot two physical receiver to win that play against that defensive back in that moment. Um, yeah, I agree. I think we said it during the playback. All right, I'm coming back. We're gonna talk about would Jim Leonard have had this defense playing at a higher level, i.e. is Trestle the problem. We're gonna talk a little bit about a take that Tanner Mordecai can't take this team anywhere. We're doing a little buy or sell on hot take narratives, and I think Ryan and I are gonna disagree on one of them specifically. But first, coming up is uh, our friends of the show, our first friends of the show over at um, Game Time. Game Time is the number one growing ticket marketplace in the country. It's what I'm going to use to buy my Ohio State tickets. Listen, I already had somebody tell me they're not going to come to the Ohio State game. JB, if you're listening, I haven't even looked in the comment section. Come to the Ohio State game no matter what. I'm going to be there. Justin's going to be there. Rajiv's going to be there. We're going to use Game Time to get those tickets. Game Time has last-minute flash sales. Plus, you get pictures of the seats so you know exactly what the tickets are going to look like before you get there. And it's not just sports. I talked about it. Comedy, theater, 
music. It's all their concerts, which I still haven't been to. JP says he's going to take me to one. It's all there on Game Time. Wherever you want to get entertainment, Game Time is there to facilitate it and make the logistics as easy as possible. Again, the fastest growing ticket marketplace in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Lockdown College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Lockdown College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's get Ryan back in here. Let's play a little buy or sell. Let's get to some comments too, because uh, the live show is one of the best parts about it. Is the comments? Um, let's start here, Ryan. I'm gonna kick this one over to you. We'll take turns on these. Let's do a narrative, a hot take narrative, buy or sell. And this one is from BPAT, but there's many variations of this. And by the way, I appreciate everybody making comments on the show. You know, like I love the different perspectives. That's what makes this community valuable and amazing. Um, BPAT says Jimmy was in charge of the defense last year. Um, If Jimmy was here, everything would be rainbows on our defense. I think he's actually saying that take is not a very good take because we're seeing in many places. I want to throw that take to you, Ryan. If Jim Leonard was here, would the defense be better? Yeah, I mean, just on that take, it seems like it's a double negative. So I'm going to kind of take that take. And if the idea is that if Jimmy was here, it would be rainbows, I I disagree. Um, I'm 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 selling that. Um, I think sometimes as fans, we talk kind of you know out of pocket, a little bit angry, like, oh, things aren't working. Jimmy would have had it. I mean, I'm as guilty as of it too. Um, But as you've kind of lamented on the show many times, like our front seven is just not it. Like. If Jim was here, would the would we give up so many back end broken plays? Probably not. But we those Cam Ward, you know, five to seven yard plays, we would just get routed down the field because we wouldn't get any pressure. They'd be wide open, and then we'd be playing chase and catch. Um, I think we would have limited some of the explosive plays, both for Buffalo and for Washington State. But I think the results would have still been the same. Yeah, I think the communication on the back end would be better, right? Which you you kind of alluded to. That's obviously something. I think co- continuity with Leonard would have made sense. JB in the Discord brought this up, and I so I can't take credit for it. I think this is an interesting question. Latou has played much worse. Well, what was Jimmy? He was a safety. He was a DB coach, and then a defensive coordinator. Um, is is it's a two game sample size, so it, I don't want to make too much of it, Ryan. But it's possible that losing Leonard has had a bigger impact on a guy like Latou than we've, we've thought about. I think that's an interesting point, but overall, like you don't have the horses in the front seven. I think thought Thompson played really well last game. The linebackers I thought had a better game, but to your point, if you don't have pass rushers, it doesn't matter if you have Trestle, Leonard, a three, three, five, a four, two, five, it doesn't matter. Like you need pass rushers to be disruptive. And I just don't think those horses are on the field. So I don't, I don't really know how much of a difference Jim Leonard makes. Again, I think it's a little cleaner on the back seven, which matters. But you're still not going to be a great defense because you lost Herbing and, and Benton, and you didn't replace them with Herbing and Benton-level talents. Yeah, but there's also one big thing that you're missing, too. Like, yes, Leonard was a safety. Yes, the communication. But we can't downplay, and this is probably not a, a name people were expecting, but we can't downplay the, the hole that the jewelry thief left. Uh, like Jaron Cortio played center field. How many times did, you know, a, a lot of it is like when we're looking at Torchio either running someone down or playing center field and picking them off. Did, would we have noticed Latu come up and miss a tackle if Torchio was right behind him to make a tackle or how many times, even in the Purdue game last year, like we took some bad angles on things and he cut underneath and, you know, had a pick six and then almost two pick sixes in a row. It's like, you know, you miss those, they're running 60 yards. So I think that John Torchio leaving 
as non-flashy of a name, sure, Benton and Herbig are getting plenty of run up front. But Torchio cleaned up a lot in the back end, and I think it's very underrated production he had back there and just kind of keeping everything in front of him. That's a great point, man. He he really was one of the more underrated Badger defenders we've had. In Didn't a he have five time. picks last year? I, I thought it was. So we're talking about zero turnovers through through two zero turnovers through two games. Yes, Torch had five picks last year. The number in my head was seven, but I think five is right. I mean, five, he, five or seven is more than zero. And he uh, had an incredible year. I'm actually looking up right. Someone in the chat will let me know, but yeah, he that's a great point. Um, he he's underrated in the vein of like he was better than Leo Musso, but Leo Musso was a guy that was just a really solid safety. You know, those type of players are hard to replace, man. Uh, P says Jimmy gets glorified way too much. See, that's that's. And P, you're probably right because it's it's easy when your defense doesn't look good to pine. It's like the ex girlfriend thing, right? When you you lose this girlfriend you're in love with and she's great, you bring someone in and the first week she doesn't do the dishes and you're like, well, Amy would have done the dishes, like Amy always, and you kind of forget about a few of the warts, right? Um, but I don't want to remember Jimmy Amy's like, a serial killer, and then right? you're like, oh, okay, now I understand. Not that Jimmy's a serial killer, but not that he's that. Uh, he was great, but I do think he gets put on a pedestal where people forget about some of the mistakes, right? The game against Minnesota last year, like people forget about some of that because Jimmy was so good in other areas. Um, let me throw another one, another fan narrative. I shouldn't say fan narrative, another narrative that's floating in the community. You buy or sell this one. The Big Ten West has become an absolute embarrassment year after year. That's from a, a commenter called Florida. Um, you buy or sell in the Big Ten West as an absolute embarrassment. Um, as, as my wife would tell you, I'm always big on how things are laid out and how things are presented. Um, so if I had to nitpick, I would say, have we become an absolute embarrassment as in like all of the programs? No. Have we become an absolute embarrassment, like representing the big 10 West when you have the big 10 East doing what they do? I would buy that part. So on, on its face, I would buy it. And I would say that the absolute embarrassment, like, cause we, we still win games. We're still tough outs. We're still good programs, very physical, good defenses, atrocious quarterback play for the most part. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's not like we're ball state and bowling green out here. Like we got to give us, give the big 10 West a little credit. Like we do win some of those games, but a lot of those teams that we're losing year after year to some of these non-con games, like it happens to everybody. Like I think North Carolina, understandably it's the ACC, we're a touch, late touch Drake may touchdown away from losing at home to app state. So it's like non-con games are always tricky. We, we lost a tough one on the road. Um, it doesn't help when you have Penn state, just absolutely boat racing team 66 to seven. And then we have Illinois having to make field goals at the end to beat Toledo. Uh, so I get it. I, to the non traditional big 10 West junkies like us, it probably is embarrassing. Um, but I'm kind of, I would buy it. Um, but I, I don't – that's one of those, like, buys. Like, you buy it, you get it home, and you realize you need batteries and you didn't really want it anyway, but you can't find the receipt. I'm yeah. very reluctant on buying it, but I think I'm going to a little bit. I think I got to buy it, man. I, I definitely hear where you're coming from. The problem I have with the Big Ten West is it's a it's a matter of uh, expectations to some degree, right? You're right. We're not Ball State, or, but those schools aren't expected to do anything. You look at – who are the three marquee programs in the Big Ten West, right? Right now it's Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Iowa has a clause in their contract for their offensive coordinator to score a certain number of points or he's going to get fired by his dad. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin just fired their coach mid-year last year and lost to Washington State in, in the middle of a, re you know, a soft rebuild. Nebraska like, even needs to 
you know, and those are your three kind of marquee programs. Um, and then you have Northwestern. Look at look at what's happened at Northwestern. You have Illinois, who, you know, like it's it's hard to find a bright spot right now in the Big Ten West. So, is the bright spot PJ Fleck? If, listen, if PJ Fleck is the lighthouse, you're attaching your ship. Just drop me. No, we're not doing that. Okay, but this just, is my point. Just drop me off the call. Okay, PJ Fleck is no no bright spot. You you we're on the Discord enough. We, you know how I feel about PJ. Right. There's not enough oil that this guy can't sell. He's not the bright spot. The boat is sinking. He has to drum up attention. All true. They're two and zero. Screen crawl. Yep. All true, but they're two and zero. Um, so I would buy this, and, and that's a long way. Of saying. With Jeff Sims. Yeah, I my ten year old throws better passes. It, it's terrible. He's they've just had the same quarterback for twenty years. We've talked about it. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Come back more with Ryan. This is awesome. I'm so stoked to get him on the show. Um, one more quick break for friends of the show and a, a quick thank you to say everybody tuning in really, really do appreciate it. As always, you guys are incredible. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. It is the place we go to, to do all of our bets, futures, parlays, everything is on FanDuel and the NFL season just kicked off. So FanDuel is a, this is a great opportunity to get started. Obviously football, college football is going on. NFL is going on. My Niners just cleaned up. Brock Purdy is the real deal. I know Ryan is a Cardinals fan. I apologize in advance for what's going to happen to you this year, but perhaps put some money on the 49ers and Brock Purdy to make your pain a little less severe on FanDuel. I'm also a Braves fan. Playoffs are coming up. I'm a Suns fan. I can't wait. I already have a futures bet in on the Suns winning in NBA finals. I did last year as well, but I feel better about it this year. FanDuel is your place to do all of that. Plus, once again, fast, easy, secure app. Get the money right away. FanDuel is the best place to go for all this. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. That offer is to a $5 bet. Get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So watch the games cheaper. Plus, get bonus bets. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Uh, and kick off the NFL season with an offer you're not going to want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, let's get Ryan back in here. Let's continue talking. Let's, let's get some comments. Um, Ryan, I do want to go, uh, first of all, give you an opportunity. Where can people find what you're doing in your work? Sure. Uh, I'm over at Badger Notes doing a little bit of writing. Um, we have the, a new series we just released called uh, Dog of the Week. Uh, it's not necessarily focused on who was, you know, filling the stat sheet, more or less. It's who who rose to the occasion when the boys needed it. So last week was uh, Ches Malusi. Uh, we just dropped one today at 2.30, so go and check out and see who it is. Um, I don't want to bury the lead, but uh, I talked to this person in the offseason and uh, his nickname of Vaco Bombs. He was, he was a, a big fan of that. So a subtle little plug of who that might be. Uh, only the lunatics and Discordians would know that one. But, uh, yeah, go check that out. Otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm usually on there just, you know, trying to piss off, uh, upset uh, Minnesota, Okay. All Big Ten West programs, just doing my part to troll them the best I can. I love it, man. Um, this is from Todd Romance. Dude, you look a lot like Ryan Day. How often do you get that? Well, if Ryan Day gains 700 pounds, then I, I would look like him. But I do appreciate that. That's, um, awesome. that's awesome. Appreciate that, Todd Romance. Uh, I want to ask you this one. This was another kind of uh, narrative. Should we – are we guilty of – Is or is the program guilty? Misleading is the wrong word, but – should we be frustrated about the hype around the program, the, the talk about the billboards, and then seeing the product on the field? Do we have a case to be frustrated by that? Oh, man, I feel like that question was built for me. Um, I personally have been a little bit frustrated. Uh, I think it's because, like I said, you know, I 
can't put the disclaimer out there enough that I'm an absolute lunatic for this stuff. Like any kind of syllable written about the Badgers, I want to read it and digest it and process it. So part of it's on us for like literally drinking all of this out of the fire hose because uh, any coach that comes in, if you're not bringing any juice, I mean, what are you doing? Uh, you can't just come in there and, and you know, I love coach dad, but you can't come in there and just appreciate everybody to death. You know what I mean? Like you got to come in there and, you know, bring the juice, bring the energy. Um, I just, the part that frustrates me the most. Uh, and like I said, I'm just literally picking nits cause I love Fick. I love coach dad too, but I, it was a necessary change. I love coach Fick, So I'm not going to be too hard on him. But the one thing I would nitpick is just when you see these clip after clip after clip after clip, like, whoa, you know, toughness is something what um, is a skill. Uh, playing hard is something that you can always do. You don't have to be talented to do. We the only we only have one objective around here is to play for championships. And then you're going out there and you're getting routed by some Fresno State, some Juco guys out in Pullman. Like, that's the part. It's kind of like, all right, guys, like last year we were six and six and we thought that was the bottom. A lot of that play looked like, you know, pre Paulgan let go. It's just out there getting routed to death. And it's like, that's the part. It's kind of like, it doesn't really add up. So that I I'm probably just a one of one that gets upset by that kind of stuff. But like I said, it was probably me just drinking out the fire hose. No, I think it's, listen, I think it's a fair perspective. I, the one thing I would say, and I put this comment from Robert up, cause I think it kind of ties into it. He says, I'm going to continue to stay positive. We saw with the old staff. They were not willing to embrace what recruiting was going to turn into this new staff commitment will help them in that area. I brought that comment up because I think no matter what happens on the field, this staff needed a massive upgrade in marketing, recruiting, communications. It had to change, right? The recruiting department, all of it. So he came in, this staff came in and they, they wholesale changed areas that like, it felt, you know, when you ever look at house hunters or if you bought a house and you go to a house that hasn't been updated since the seventies. And again, this is no shade to the old staff, but it felt like we needed a reno. And no matter what happens on the field, we needed that and we're better off for it, right? So that I kind of look at them in separate ways. Like some of the off-field stuff is, is internal administrative stuff that had to get upgraded. And now the on-field stuff has to kind of catch up as well. Um, so it doesn't bother me as much. And again, we've talked about this. I, I didn't feel like the Washington State loss was that surprising. How we played, I, we did not play as well as I thought we would. But the loss itself doesn't surprise me that much. So I kind of feel like we're still on track in a weird way. Um, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but I don't feel like the hype was overdone, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I agree. I think part of it is just, you know, I, I think some of us just have real unrealistic expectations. And that was kind of, you know, the, the conversation I was trying to drive today in the discord was what are realistic expectations? Because at the end of the day, you have to come in there and do that thing. Like you, you're going to have to build energy behind your program. It totally, it totally makes sense. Um, yeah, I just, I think at the end of the day, the, the on-field product matters more than that stuff. And as much juice as you bring in, I think kind of the rub, I think to me and to others is, uh, for as much as we love coach dad and JL, they didn't have a lot of, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy made it 10 years, 12 years in the league. So it's like, obviously he has moxie to make it like, they're not just going to have some square in the locker room all the time. So it's like. He had, to, he had to have some juice, but it's just they didn't necessarily ooze it like this staff does, where it's like you have Phil Longo out there who's like very direct to the point. You have Luke Fickle who tells you exactly how it is and sounds real tough and not like a phony tough, but like, wow, he, th this guy's not playing around. And I think when you see all the marketing that accompanies it, 
and then you put that juxtaposition against Coach Chris, who didn't even have a recruiting department, it's going to look like they're doing so much above and beyond. But it's like, you know, you you kind of browse around Twitter and it's like, oh, every other program is doing this. This isn't anything that's they're literally just doing what everything else is doing. It's just when you're in the desert and you don't have water and then Fickle comes in, you know, with a water tower and it's trying to feed you out of a fire hose. You just don't you don't know how to process it, I guess. Right. No, it's, it's a good analogy, especially for a guy living in the desert or having, having been in Arizona. Wait, you're not in Arizona anymore, right? No, I'm in the great city of Middleton here. That's okay. Yep. Um, this one here, let's let's do some rapid fire here. Uh, this is from Tyler Streber. Any any thought of the Badgers maybe using Wool as a pass rusher? You think that's something they could turn to to generate some pass rush? My issue is you only have one Hunter Wooler, right? And you need him everywhere. But maybe a little more disruptive plays at the line of scrimmage, get your playmaker more involved. Yeah, I would say uh, sparingly, uh, just because until you get that back end figured out and those coverage busts figured out, he's your eraser. So if you bring him off the edge and you don't get home and you get the back end, whether it's Zach Menner, Latu, or Blaylock, who's been coming off like multiple injuries and still trying to get his sea legs under him, like you're, you're moving that eraser off the back end. So it's I like the idea of it, and I've thought about it too, and Tyler, we're, we're, we're on the same wavelength with that. I'd love to see him come off the edge a little bit. My only thing is, what if they block that up? Or what if their offensive coordinator actually calls a chip to help the left tackle if he's coming that direction? Uh, and you get it blocked up and you have single coverage and no eraser. That 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 would be hard to swallow because then, you know, it's a lot easier for us to criticize and say, well, why'd you have him rush? He didn't even get home. So I think you're kind of danged if you do, danged if you don't. But I think they should do it sparingly, like kind of bring him because they haven't shown it a lot. And he, he feels like the type of guy with the physicality and the instincts that would make the most of limited opportunities there. But to your point, how comfortable are you with Latou as a, your deep center fielder if if he needs to come up and make a one-on-one tackle? Or or Blaylock. Blaylock hasn't played that really well either. Maybe Zachman's the answer there. Um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. Three Stones Pit Crew says, I was with you all week, Ryan. I knew this game would not end well. With everything in front of us, what needs to improve the most, Ryan? We talking run game, pass game, or defense? Yes. <laughs> you got to pick one. Uh, all three. Yes. Um, what worries what, you the most? How about that? What worries me the most? Uh, definitely the defense. Uh, run game. I mean, it, we can go on like a whole nother show. Just talk about Braylon and how indecisive he looks. It reminds me of, you know, early 2022 when like he just wouldn't pick a hole and go. Now, is that his fault? Is that the line's fault? I mean, that's, that's to be determined. But the defense just makes me very nervous. Uh, anytime you're in those transition years, you don't have the bodies to run what you want to run. And I think that's kind of where I need to see improvement and get afraid is you're kind of trying to put square pegs in around holes. So it's like maybe our guys aren't the best in that cover one that Brian always says on the show, like you need guys outside the numbers to run your cover one. And it's like, I don't know if we have that. So continuing to do that over and over and over again and getting burned, I think sometimes you're going to have to go back into like a cover two shell. Buffalo did it against us and we couldn't hit any long passes. So it's like if Buffalo can figure it out, we need to be able to figure it out too. Do you think, let me, let me ping you on that. Cause I've had a theory in my head. I talked to, maybe it was just every who I talked to about this on the show, but I feel like Buffalo didn't take that away. I feel like we couldn't hit it. Like, do you, do you think Buffalo dropping two safeties should be able to take away Phil Longo? And they, first of all, let's be clear. They didn't do that every single play, but right. should Buffalo be able to take away the deep passing game of a good big 10 program? 
take it away no I, I think it's kind of a, a combination of the two right like they did it at times that it were you know obvious passing downs when we would get behind the sticks um but having watched that one back like a lunatic a few times you'll see that I don't, I don't know who their defensive coordinator is but they run a lot of that lovey smith tampa too because like you saw us uh, uh dolak our our all-american buddy there like all you know five foot nine of them like drifting back in the tampa two and running the tracks it's like you're not going to get anything underneath so you're going to have to hit it deep and outside and i just don't think phil longo wanted to show that kind of stuff so i think it's a little bit of both yeah and probably not need uh, certainly not needed in that game uh here's a, here's another question i had from somebody i didn't actually copy this one down but at the end of the Buffalo game, there was an opportunity to get Braden Locke some reps. The game was essentially over. There was like three and a half minutes left, up by 21 at that point, I think. I'm trying to remember the exact game script. I was a little surprised Locke wasn't in there. There was no chance Buffalo was coming back. I know that game was tight for a while, and sometimes when games are tight for a while, coaches are reticent to kind of, you know, allow back up there. It, I felt like a missed opportunity to me in the moment. Um, was that something that stuck out to you, or did it feel like that should have been Mordecai all the way? Yeah, I was going Mordecai all the way. Um, if this is if we didn't have Mordecai more, if we had a more than just a one year rental, one hundred percent get locked those reps. Um, but it kind of seems like we're doing this high wire act because it is a transition year. It's like you got to have all your horses playing all the time because we don't know what the depth is behind them. Sure, you want to build that depth by letting Braden lock. Um, I think my you know my trauma from 2022 would come up where we see you know Miles Burkett come in the game for seven minutes and do 19 handoffs and it's like at the end of the day Mordecai can hand it off and not get hurt so I think it all depends on we saw a very conservative game plan going into that fourth quarter I mean what was Locke going to come he wasn't going to come in there and then just start calling the deep shots lock you're going to see a lot of the same throw it to the outside check down run I mean are those valuable reps sure but you didn't miss much of an opportunity in my opinion. No, that's fair. I, I do think there's more value even in just being out there in front of people, right? Even just taking the snap and handing it off for a young player. I think there's valuable experience there, but you're, you're right. We weren't asking him to play two quarters and engineer a couple tries. Like there's definitely a difference there. Um, this leads into the last question. I think we're going to be able to get into uh, already at 34 minutes, man. I could go all day with Ryan. Um, another buy or sell fan narrative quarterback, this quarterback will take this team nowhere. We've already talked about the defense. So he, Lee Feller, also not a huge fan of the defense or the scheme. And Lee, thank you for the comment, by the way. All these comments, none of these comments are put up. To, I mean, I love all the perspectives. Um, buy or sell quarterback Tanner Mordecai can't take this team anywhere. Uh, again, back like earlier, it all depends on the semantics of writing it. A quarterback will not take this team. I, I'll buy that because one person's not going to do it. You need your left tackle to block. You need your wide receivers running those post rats, Skylar Bell, uh, Bryson Green, to time their jumps, catch the ball. Like, yes, Mordecai is not Trevor Lawrence. He's not the Sean Watson college version. He, he's not these guys. He's not a guy that's going to do – he's a six-year guy. Like, if he was that dude, he'd be in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to carry you. But he is more than adequate enough to get the job done. But he needs the playmakers around him to step up. When you have Braylon Allen getting 16 touch or 13 touches for 32 yards, I mean, what's Mordecai going to do with that? When you're dropping back to pass and you finally get a play called up, dialed up to go deep, and then Jack Nelson's out here playing patty cake, and you get a helmet to your spine twice, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, he feels like, and I've used this term a lot, ecosystem. He's a guy that needs an ecosystem around him. 
He's a system but, quarterback. He's a game manager. There's nothing wrong with that. So often we talk about those are like bad terms. I love game managers. Back to that bum on your 49ers, Brock Purdy. He's like one of the best game managers ever. That's not a yeah. negative term. Usually yeah. that's a connotation for like, oh, this dude sucks. He can't do it. But Tanner, he could be a great game manager. Distribute the ball, get to the right place, check, find the holes in the defense. He can excel at that. Yeah, and the thing is, there's a difference too, and and this is an, a basketball thing too. People get frustrated with the term. He could be an elite role player. Elite role players are really important winning guys. The NBA spends first round picks on elite role players. Like a really good. I see. I think Mordecai can be a really good game manager, like you said. Like there's game managers, uh, and then there's really good game managers. You can win a ton of games with a really good game manager. But to your point, your left tackle has to make blocks. Braylon has to average four plus yards per carry for Pete's sake. You know, you have to break a tackle. Um, but to, to Lee's point, this quarterback can't take this team anywhere. I think Mordecai can with the pieces playing to the level that we expect them to. I expect Jack Nelson to play a lot better. And if that's the case and you make some some plays at receiver, I think Mordecai can engineer a 10-win season with the talent here. I think – and that's an incredible first year for Fickle. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to flip it fast. Like, that's that 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 switch better go. Um, yeah, I, I can totally see him being a high-end game manager. You just you got to have all the parts working, and I, I think I kind of harken back to Wohler was saying. I want to say it was on uh, Badger Extra to give him proper credit. They were the one I think I saw on YouTube. They had a, a video with them saying, "There's no excuses. Like we we've been doing this, we've been running these plays since January." So I think a lot of it is like Coach Bicknell getting the boys ready up front. It's like you shouldn't be getting gashed straight up the middle. Like for guys that are like literally 20, 25 percent lighter than you, smaller than you. Like these are these are just line breakdowns. These are coverage breakdowns. These are we just you got to tighten up the details, and that's the biggest thing. It's like, is the scheme the best for the talent we have? Maybe not. Is the quarterback you know got five four years left to develop and build all those things? No, it, it's go time, and it's go time now. Yeah, and Bo Dragon mentioned this is a three year a three year project. It it can't be. Like Bo, I mean Bo's Bo's not the most optimistic guy on the show typically, anyway. But it, it's it can't be a three year pro project because you don't bring Luke Fickle in if it's going to be a three year project. You hire Jim Leonard if you plan on a three year project. I think that's the difference. And right. they, they didn't plan on it. They they want a quick turnaround. So anyway, Ron, we're at forty minutes again with the great guests. We could go longer and longer. Um, and I definitely put you in that category. Robert Sorkin says, "Love the the two Ryan show. Great show, guys. Thank you, Robert, for tuning in as always." Uh, catch Ryan's work over on Badger Notes uh, in the Discord. He's in there as well. I'll definitely get him on the show again if, if he's willing to slum it with me. Um, on Wisconsin, we'll talk tomorrow. Great content coming up this week. I got some guests you're not going to want to miss. There's some bangers coming up. So on Wisconsin, we'll talk tomorrow. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in.